Hello and welcome to the Sports of Luke podcast. Today, I'll be taking a look at the career, life, and legacy of Jackie Robinson. I'll talk about his college career, breaking the color barrier, and why the secret number of the day is four. Enjoy the show. Jack Roosevelt Robinson was born on January 31, 1919, in a family of sharecroppers in Cario, Georgia. He was the youngest of five children born to Mally and Jerry Robinson. His middle name was in honor of former President Theodore Roosevelt, who died 25 days before he was born. After Robinson's father left the family in 1920, they moved to Pasadena, California. Robinson's mother worked various odd jobs to support the family. Growing up in relative poverty in an otherwise affluent community, Robinson and his minority friends were excluded from many recreational opportunities. As a result, Jackie joined a neighborhood gang, but eventually abandoned it. In 1935, Jackie enrolled at John Muir High School. Recognizing his athletic talents, Robinson's older brothers Mac and Frank inspired Jackie to pursue his interest in sports. At Muir Tech, Robinson played several sports at the varsity level and lettered in four of them, football, basketball, track, and baseball. He played shortstop and catcher on the baseball team, quarterback on the football team, and guard on the basketball team. With the track and field squads, he won awards in the broad jump. He was also a member of the tennis team. In 1936, Jackie won the Junior Boys Singles Championship in the annual Pacific Coast Negro Tennis Tournament and earned a place on the Pomona Annual Baseball Tournament All-Star Team, which included future Hall of Famers Ted Williams and Bob Lemon. After high school, Jackie attended Pasadena Junior College, or PJC, where he continued his athletic career by participating in basketball, football, baseball, and track. On the football team, he played quarterback and safety. He was a shortstop and leadoff hitter for the baseball team, and he broke broad jump records held by his brother, Mac. Just like high school, most of Jackie's teammates were white. While playing football at PJC, Robinson suffered a fractured ankle, complications from which would eventually delay his deployment status while in the military. Also while at PJC, he was elected to the Lancers, a student-run police organization responsible for patrolling various school activities. An incident at PJC illustrated Robinson's impatience with authority figures he perceived as racist, a character trait that would resurface repeatedly in his life. On January 25th of 38, he was arrested after vocally disputing the detention of a black friend by police. Robinson received a two-year suspended sentence, but the incident, along with other rumored run-ins between Robinson and police, gave Jackie a reputation for combativeness in the face of racial antagonism. Toward the end of his PJC tenure, Frank, his brother, was killed in a motorcycle accident. The event motivated Jackie to pursue his athletic career at the nearby University of California, Los Angeles, where he could remain close to Frank's family. It's time for the secret number of the day. The secret number of the day is an obscure or interesting fact from Jackie's career. Today's secret number is four, and the number takes us to his college years. After graduating from PJC in spring of 1939, Robinson enrolled at UCLA, where he became the school's first athlete to win varsity letters in four sports, baseball, basketball, football, and track. He was one of four black players on the Bruins' 1939 football team. At a time when only a few black students played mainstream college football, this made UCLA college football's most integrated team. They went undefeated with four ties at 6-0-4. In track and field, Robinson won the 1940 NCAA championship in the long jump at 24 feet, 10 and a quarter inches. Belying his future career, Jackie's worst sport at UCLA was baseball. He hit only 0-97 in his only season, although in his first game he went 4-4 and twice stole home. While a senior at UCLA, Robinson met his future wife, Rachel Ism, a UCLA freshman who was familiar with Robinson's athletic career at PJC. He played football as a senior, but the 1940 Bruins won only one game. In the spring, Robinson left college just shy of graduation, despite his mother's and Ism's reservations. 
He took a job as an assistant athletic director with the government's National Youth Administration. After the government ceased NYA operations, Robinson traveled to Honolulu in the fall of 41 to play football for the semi-pro, radically integrated Honolulu Bears. After a short season, Robinson returned to California in December of 41 to pursue a career at running back for the Los Angeles Bulldogs of the Pacific Coast Football League. By that time, however, the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor had taken place, drawing the United States into World War II and ending Jackie's short football career. In 42, Jackie was drafted and assigned to a segregated Army Cavalry unit in Fort Riley, Kansas. Having the requisite qualifications, Jackie and several other black soldiers applied for admissions to an Officer Candidate School, or OCS, then located at Fort Riley. Although the Army's initial July 41 guidelines for OCS had been drafted as race-neutral, few black applicants were admitted into OCS until after subsequent directives by Army leadership. As a result, the applications of Jackie and his colleagues were delayed for several months. After protests by heavyweight boxing champion Joe Lewis, who was stationed at Fort Riley, and the help of Truman Gibson, who was the assistant civilian aide to the Secretary of War, the men were accepted into OCS. The experience led to a personal friendship between Robinson and Lewis. Upon finishing OCS, Robinson was commissioned as a second lieutenant in January of 43. Shortly afterward, Robinson and Ism were formally engaged. After receiving his commission, Robinson was reassigned to Fort Hood, Texas, where he joined the 761st Black Panthers Tank Battalion. While at Fort Hood, Robinson often used his weekend to leave to visit the Reverend Carl Downs, president of Sam Hudson College in nearby Austin, Texas. Downs had been Jackie's pastor at Scott United Methodist Church while Robinson attended PJC. An event on July 6 of 44 derailed Robinson's military career. While awaiting results of hospital tests on the ankle he injured in junior college, Jackie boarded an Army bus with a fellow officer's wife. Although the Army had commissioned its own unsegregated bus line, the bus driver ordered Jackie to move to the back of the bus, to which Robinson refused. The driver backed down, but after reaching the end of the line, summoned the military police who took Robinson into custody. When Jackie later confronted the investigating duty officer about racist questioning by the officer and his assistant, the officer recommended Jackie to be court-martialed. After Jackie's commander in the 761st, Paul Bates, refused to authorize illegal action, Jackie was transferred to the 758th Battalion, where the commander quickly consented to charge Jackie with multiple offenses, including, among other charges, public drunkenness, even though Robinson did not drink. By the time of the court-martial in August of 44, the charges against Jackie had been reduced to two counts of insubordination during questioning. Jackie was acquitted by an all-white panel of nine officers. The experiences Jackie was subjected to during the court proceedings would be remembered where he later joined the MLB and was subject to racist attacks. Although his former unit, the 761st, became the first black tank unit to see combat in World War II, Robinson's court-martial proceedings prohibited him from being deployed overseas. Thus, he never saw combat action. After his acquittal, he was transferred to Camp Breckenridge, Kentucky, where he served as a coach for Army Athletics until receiving an honorable discharge in November of 44. While there, Jackie met a former player for the Kansas City Monarchs of the Negro American League, who encouraged Jackie to write the Monarchs and ask for a tryout. Jackie took the former player's advice and wrote to the Monarchs co-owner, Thomas Bayard. After his discharge, Jackie briefly returned to his old football club, the Los Angeles Bulldogs. Jackie then accepted an offer from his old friend and pastor, Reverend Carl Downs, to be the athletic director at Samuel Huston College in Austin, then of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. The job included coaching the school's basketball team for the 44-45 season. In early 45, while Jackie was at Sam Hudson College, the Kansas City Monarchs sent him a written offer to play professional baseball in the Negro Leagues. Robinson accepted a contract for $400 per month. 
Although he played well for the Monarchs, Jackie was frustrated with the experience. He had grown up used to a structured playing environment in college, and the Negro League's disorganization and embrace of gambling interests appalled him. The hectic travel schedule also placed a burden on his relationship with his fiancée, with whom he would now communicate only by letter. In all, Robinson played 47 games at shortstop for the Monarchs, hitting 387 with 5 homers and registering 13 stolen bases. During the season, Jackie pursued potential Major League interests. No black man had played in the Major League since Moses Fleetwood Walker in 1884, but the Boston Red Sox nevertheless held a tryout at Fenway Park for Robinson and other black players on April 16th. At the tryout, Jackie as well as other players were subject to racial slurs. He left the tryout humiliated, and more than 14 years later, in July of 59, the Red Sox became the last Major League team to integrate its roster. Other teams, however, had more serious interest in signing a black player. In the mid-40s, Branch Rickey, the club president and general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, began to scout the Negro Leagues for a possible addition to the Dodgers roster. Rickey selected Robinson from a list of promising black players and interviewed him for a possible assignment to the Brooklyn's International League farm club, the Montreal Royals. Rickey was especially interested in making sure his eventual signee could withstand the inevitable racial abuse that would be directed at him. In a famous three-hour exchange on August 28th, 45, Rickey asked Robinson if he could face the racism without taking the bait and reacting angrily. A concern given Robinson's prior arguments with law enforcement officials at PJC and in the military. Jackie was aghast. Are you looking for a Negro who is afraid to fight back? Ricky replied that he needed a Negro player with guts enough not to fight back. After obtaining a commitment from Robinson to turn the other cheek through racial antagonism, Ricky agreed to sign him to a contract for $600 a month, equal to $8,350 today. Although he required Robinson to keep the arrangement a secret from the time being, Ricky committed to formally signing Robinson before November 1st of 45. On October 23rd, it was publicly announced that Robinson would be assigned to the Royals for the 1946 season. On the same day, with representatives of the Royals and Dodgers present, Robinson formally signed this contract with the Royals. In what was later referred to as the Noble Experiment, Robinson was the first black player in the International League since the 1880s. He was not necessarily the best player in the Negro Leagues, and black talents such as Satchel Page and Josh Gibson were upset when Robinson was selected first. Larry Doby, who broke the color line in the American League the same year as Robinson, said, One of the things that was disappointing and disheartening to a lot of the black players at the time was that Jack was not the best player. The best was Josh Gibson. I think that was one of the reasons why Josh died so early. He was so heartbroken. Ricky's offer allowed Robinson to leave behind the Monarchs in their grueling bus rides, and he went home to Pasadena. On February 10th of 1946, Robinson and his fiancée were married. Later that year, Jackie arrived at Daytona Beach, Florida for spring training with the Montreal Royals of the Class AAA International League, which, hey, fun fact, the designation of AAA for the highest level of minor league baseball was first used that year in 1946. Clay Hopper, the manager of the Royals, asked Ricky to assign Robinson to any other Dodger affiliate, but Ricky refused. Jackie's presence was controversial and racially charged Florida. As he was not allowed to stay with his teammates at the team hotel, he lodged and sat at the home of a local black politician. Since the Dodgers organization did not own a spring training facility, the scheduling was subject to the whim of area localities, several of which turned down any event involving Robinson or Johnny Wright, another black player who Ricky had signed to the Dodgers organization. In Sanford, Florida, the police chief threatened to cancel games if Robinson and Wright did not cease training activities there and as a result, Jackie was sent back to Daytona Beach. In Jacksonville, the stadium was padlocked shut without warning on game day by order of the city's Parks and Public Property Director. 
After much lobbying of officials by Ricky himself, the Royals were allowed to host a game involving Robinson in Daytona Beach. Jackie made his Royals debut at Daytona Beach City Island Park on March 17, 1946, in an exhibition game against the team's parent club, the Dodgers. Jackie thus became the first black player to openly play for a minor league team against a major league team since the de facto baseball color line had been implemented in the late 1880s. Later in spring training, after some less-than-seller performances, Robinson was shifted from shortstop to second base, allowing him to make shorter throws to first. Jackie's performance soon rebounded. On April 18th, 46, Roosevelt Stadium hosted the Jersey City Giants season opener against the Montreal Royals, marking the professional debut of the Royals' Jackie Robinson and the first time the color barrier had been broken in a game between two minor league clubs. Pitching against Robinson was Warren Sandell, who had played against him when they both lived in California. During Robinson's first at-bat, the Jersey City catcher demanded that Sandal throw at Robinson, but Sandal refused. Although Sandal induced Robinson to ground out at his first at-bat, Jackie ended up with four hits and five trips to the plate. His first hit was a three-run home run in the game's third inning. He also scored four runs, drove in three, and stole two bases in the Royals' 14-1 victory. Jackie proceeded to lead the International League that season with a 349 batting average and a 985 fielding percentage, and was named the league's most valuable player. Although he often faced hostility while on road trips, the Royals were forced to cancel a Southern Exhibition tour, for example, the Montreal fan base enthusiastically supported Robinson. Whether fans supported or opposed it, Jackie's presence on the field was a boon to attendance. More than one million people went to the games involving Robinson in 46, an amazing figure by International League standards. In the fall of 46, following the baseball season, Jackie returned home to California and briefly played professional basketball for the short-lived Los Angeles Red Devils. In 47, the Dodgers called Robinson up to the Major League six days before the start of the season. With Eddie Stanky entrenched at second base for the Dodgers, Jackie played his initial Major League season at first base. On April 15th, Jackie made his Major League debut at the relatively advanced age of 28 at Ebbets Field before a crowd of 26,000 spectators, more than 14,000 of whom were black. Although he failed to get a base hit, he walked and scored a run in the Dodgers' 5-3 victory. Jackie became the first player since 1880 to openly break the Major League Baseball color line. Black fans began flocking to see the Dodgers when they came to town, abandoning the Negro League teams. Jackie's promotion met a generally positive, although mixed, reception among newspapers and white Major League players. However, racial tension existed in the Dodger clubhouse. Some Dodger players insinuated that they would sit out rather than play alongside Jackie. The brewing mutiny ended when Dodgers manager took a stand for Robinson. Manager Leo DeRocher informed the team, I do not care if this guy is yellow or black or if he has stripes like a fucking zebra. I'm the manager of this team and I say he plays. What's more, I say, he can make all of us rich. And if any of you cannot use the money, I will see that you all are traded. Jackie also had problems with opposing teams. Jackie became the target of rough physical play by opponents. At one time, he received a 7-inch gash in his leg. On April 22nd of 47, during a game between the Dodgers and the Phillies, Phillies players and managers called Robinson a N-word from their dugout and yelled that he should go back to the cotton fields. Ricky recalled later that that did more than anybody to unite the Dodgers. When he poured out that string of abuse, he solidified and united 30 men. Jackie did, however, receive significant encouragement from several Major League players. Jackie named Lee Hanley, who played for the Phillies at the time, as the first opposing player to wish him well. 
Dodgers teammate Pee Wee Reese once came to Robinson's defense with a famous line, You can hate a man for many reasons. Color is not one of them. Jewish baseball star Hank Greenberg, who had to deal with his own racist people during his career, also encouraged Robinson. Following an incident where Greenberg collided with Robinson at first base, he whispered a few words into Robinson's ear, which Jackie later characterized as words of encouragement. Greenberg had advised him to overcome his critics by defeating them in games. Jackie also talked frequently with Larry Doby, who endured his own hardships since becoming the first black player in the American League with the Cleveland Indians, as the two spoke to one another throughout the season. Jackie finished the season having played 151 games for the Dodgers with a batting average of 297 and an on-base percentage of 383 and a 427 slugging percentage. He had 175 hits, including 31 doubles, 5 triples, and 12 home runs, driving in 48 runs for the year. Robinson also led the league in sacrifice hits with 28 and stolen bases with 29. His performance earned him the inaugural Major League Baseball Rookie of the Year award. Following Stanky's trade to the Boston Braves in March of 48, Jackie took over second base, where he logged a 980 fielding percentage that year, which he was second in the National League right behind Stanky. Jackie had a batting average of 296 and 22 stolen bases for the season. Racial pressure on Robinson eased in 48 as a number of other black players entered the major leagues. Larry Doby and Satchel Page played for the Cleveland Indians, and the Dodgers had three other black players besides Robinson. In February 48, he signed a $12,500 contract, which is equal to $130,000 today with the Dodgers. He also underwent surgery on his right ankle. Because of his off-season activities, Robinson reported to training camp 30 pounds overweight. He lost the weight during training camp, but dieting left him weak at the plate. In the spring of 49, Jackie turned to Hall of Famer George Sisler, who was an advisor to the Dodgers, for batting help. At George's suggestion, Robinson spent hours at a batting tee, learning to hit the ball to right field. Sisler taught Robinson to anticipate a fastball on the theory that it is easier to subsequently adjust to a slower curveball. Jackie also noted that Sisler showed me how to stop lunging, how to check my swing until the last fraction of a second. The tutelage helped Robinson raise his batting average from 296 and 48 to 342 and 49. In addition to his improved batting average, Jackie stole 37 bases that season, was second place in the league for both doubles and triples, and registered 124 runs batted in with 122 runs. For that performance, Jackie earned the Most Valuable Player Award for the National League. Baseball fans also voted Jackie as a starting second baseman for the 1949 All-Star Game, the first All-Star Game to include a black player. Ultimately, the Dodgers won the National League pennant, but lost in five games to the Yankees in the 1949 World Series. In 1950, Jackie led the National League in double plays made by a second baseman with 133. His salary that year was the highest any Dodger had been paid to that point, which was $35,000. He finished the year with 99 runs scored, a 328 batting average, and 12 stolen bases. In late 1950, Ricky's contract at the Dodgers team president expired. Weary of constant disagreements with O'Malley and with no hope of being reappointed as president of Dodgers, Ricky cashed out of his one-quarter financial interest of the team, leaving O'Malley in full control of the franchise, Ricky shortly thereafter becoming a general manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Jackie was disappointed at the turn of the events and wrote a sympathetic letter to Ricky, whom he considered a father figure, stating, Regardless of what happens to me in the future, it all can be placed on what you have done, and believe me, I appreciate it. Before the 1951 season, O'Malley reportedly offered Robinson the job of manager of the Montreal Royals, effective at the end of Robinson's playing career. O'Malley was quoted in the Montreal Standards as saying, Jackie told me that he would be both delighted and honored to tackle this managerial post, although reports differed as to whether a position was ever formally offered. During the 51 season, Jackie led the National League in a double plays again made by second baseman with 137. He also kept the Dodgers in contention for the 1951 pennant. During the last game of the regular season in the 13th inning, he had a hit to tie the game and won the game with a home run in the 14th. This forced a best-of-three playoff series against a crosstown rival New York Giants. 
Despite Robinson's regular season heroics, the Dodgers lost the pennant on Bobby Thompson's famous home run, known as the shot heard round the world on October 3rd of 51. Overcoming his dejection, Jackie intently observed Thompson's feet to ensure he touched all the bases. Dodgers sportcaster Vince Scully later noted that the incident showed how much of a competitor Jackie was. He finished the season with 106 runs, a batting average of 335, and 25 stolen bases. Jackie had what was an average year for him in 1952. He finished the year with 104 runs, a 3 away average, and 24 stolen bases. He did, however, record a career-high on-base percentage of 436. The Dodgers improved on their performance from the year before, winning the National League pennant before losing the 1952 World Series to the Yankees in seven games. The 52 season was the last year Robinson was an everyday starter at second base. Afterward, Jackie played variously at first, second, and third base, shortstop, and also in the outfield, with Jim Gilliam, another black player, taking over everyday second base duties. Jackie's interest began to shift toward the prospect of managing a minor league team. In 53, Jackie had 109 runs, a 329 batting average, and 17 steals, leading the Dodgers to another National League pennant and another World Series loss to the Yankees, this time in six games. Jackie's continued success spawned a string of death threats. He was not dissuaded, however, from addressing racial issues publicly. That year, he served as an editor for Our Sports Magazine, a periodical focusing on Negro sports issues. Contributions to the magazine included an article on golf course segregation by Robinson's old friend Joe Lewis. Jackie also openly criticized segregated hotels and restaurants that served the Dodgers organization. A number of these establishments integrated as a result, including the five-star Chase Park Hotel in St. Louis. In 54, Robinson had 62 runs scored, a 311 batting average, and 7 steals. His best day at the plate was on June 17th when he hit 2 home runs and 2 doubles. The following autumn, Robinson won his only championship with the Dodgers, beating the Yankees in the 55 World Series. Although the team enjoyed ultimate success, 55 was the worst year of Robinson's individual career. He hit 256 and stole only 12 bases. The Dodgers tried Robinson in the outfield and as a third baseman, both because of his diminishing abilities and because Gilliam was established at second base. Robinson, then 37 years old, missed 49 games and did not play in Game 7 of the World Series. That season, the Dodgers' Don Newcomb became the first black Major League pitcher to win 20 games in a year. In 1956, Robinson had 61 runs scored and a 275 batting average and 12 steals. By then, he had begun to exhibit the effects of diabetes and to lose interest in the prospect of playing or managing professional baseball. Robinson ended his Major League career when he struck out in Game 7 of the 1956 World Series. At the end of the season, Jackie was traded by the Dodgers to the arch-rival New York Giants for Dick Littlefield and $35,000 cash. The trade, however, was never completed, unbeknownst to the Dodgers. Jackie had already agreed with the president of Chalk Full of Nuts to quit baseball and become an executive with the company. Since Jackie had sold exclusive rights to any retirement story to Look Magazine two years previously, his retirement decision was revealed through the magazine instead of through the Dodgers organization. Jackie's Major League debut brought an end to approximately 60 years of segregation in professional baseball, known as the Baseball Color Line. After World War II, several other forces were also leading the country toward increased equality for blacks, including their accelerated migration to the North, where their political clout grew, and President Harry Truman's desegregation of the military in 1948. 
Jackie's breaking of the baseball color line and his professional success symbolized these broader changes and demonstrated that the fight for equality was more than simply a political matter. Martin Luther King Jr. said that he was a legend and a symbol in his own time, and that he challenged the dark skies of intolerance and frustration. According to historian Doris Goodwin, Robinson's efforts were a monumental step in the civil rights revolution in America. His accomplishments allowed black and white Americans to be more respectful and open to one another and more appreciative of everyone's abilities. Beginning his major league career at the relatively advanced age of 28, he played only 10 seasons from 1947 to 1956, all of them for the Brooklyn Dodgers. During his career, the Dodgers played in six World Series, and Robinson himself played in six All-Star Games. In 1999, he was posthumously named the Major League Baseball All-Century Team. Jackie's career is generally considered to mark the beginning of the post-long ball era in baseball, in which a reliance on raw power hitting gave way to a balanced offense strategies that used foot speed to create runs through aggressive base running, which Jackie also was fast and could hit really well. He scored more than 100 runs in 6 of his 10 seasons, had a 311 career batting average, a 409 career on-base percentage, and a 474 slugging percentage, and substantially more walks and strikeouts, 740 to 291. Jackie was one of only two players during the span of the 47 to 56 to accumulate at least 125 steals while registering a slugging percentage over 425. Mini Mignoso was the other. He accumulated 197 stolen bases in total, including 19 steals of home. Jackie had been referred to by author David Faulkner as the father of modern base stealing. Historical statistical analysis indicates Robin was an outstanding fielder through his 10 years in the major leagues and at virtually every position he played. After playing his rookie season at first base, Robinson spent most of his career as a second baseman. He led the league in fielding among second basemen in 50 and 51. Toward the end of his career, he played about 2,000 innings at third base and about 1,175 innings in the outfield, excelling at both. Assessing himself, Robinson said, I'm not concerned whether you like me or dislike me. All I ask is that you respect me as a human being. Regardless, Jackie's qualities on the field, Leo DeRusher said, You want a guy that comes to play, but this guy didn't just come to play. He come to beat ya. He come to stuff the goddamn bat right up your ass. Jackie once told future Hall of Famer inductee Hank Aaron that the game of baseball is great, but the greatest thing is what you do after your career is over. Jackie retired from baseball at age 37 on January 5th of 1957. Later that year, after he complained about numerous physical alignments, he was diagnosed with diabetes, a disease that also affected his brothers. Although Jackie adopted an insulin injection regimen, the state of medicine at the time could not prevent the continued deterioration of Jackie's physical condition from the disease. In his first year of eligibility for the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1962, Robinson encouraged voters to consider only his on-field qualifications, rather than his cultural impact on the game. He was elected on the first ballot, becoming the first black player inducted into the Cooperstown Museum. On June 4th of 72, the Dodgers retired his number alongside those of Roy Campanella and Sandy Koufax. From 57 to 64, Jackie was a vice president for personnel at Chock Full of Nuts. He was the first black person to serve as a vice president of a major American corporation. Jackie always considered his business career as advancing the cause of black people in commerce and industry. Jackie protested against the major league's ongoing lack of minority managers and central office personnel, and he turned down an invitation to appear in the old-timers game at Yankee Stadium in 69. He made his final public appearance on October 15th of 72, throwing the ceremonial first pitch before Game 2 of the World Series at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. He gratefully accepted a plaque honoring the 25th anniversary of his MLB debut, but also commented, I'm going to be tremendously more pleased and more proud when I look at the third base coaching line one day and see a black face managing in baseball. The wish was only fulfilled after Robinson's death. 
Following the 74 season, the Cleveland Indians gave their managerial post to Frank Robinson, a Hall of Fame-bound player who would go on to manage three other teams. After Jackie's retirement, his wife Rachel pursued a career in academic nursing. She became an assistant professor at Yale School of Nursing and director of nursing at the Connecticut Mental Health Center. She and Jackie had three children, Jackie Robinson Jr., Sharon, and David. Jackie's eldest son, Jackie Jr., had emotional problems during his childhood and entered special education at an early age. But on June 17, 1971, he was killed in an automobile accident at age 24. The experience with his son's drug addiction turned Robinson Sr. into an avid anti-drug crusader toward the end of his life. Jackie did not long outlive his son. Complications from heart disease and diabetes weakened Robinson and made him almost blind by middle age. On October 24th of 1972, nine days after his appearance at the World Series, Jackie died of a heart attack in his home. He was 53 years old. Jackie's funeral service on October 27th of 72 attracted over 2,000 mourners. Many of his former teammates and other famous baseball players served as pallbearers, and the Reverend Jesse Jackson gave the eulogy. Tens of thousands of people lined the subsequent procession route to Robinson's intermittent site in Brooklyn, New York, where he was buried next to his son Jackie and his mother-in-law. After his death, his widow founded the Jackie Robinson Foundation, and to this day remains an officer. According to a poll conducted in 1947, Jackie was the second most popular man in the country behind Bing Crosby. In 1999, he was named by Time on its list of 100 most influential people of the 20th century. Also in 99, he ranked number 44 on the Sporting News list of baseball's 100 greatest players, and was elected to the Major League Baseball All-Century team as a top vote-getter among second basemen. Baseball writer Bill James ranked Robinson as the 32nd greatest player of all time strictly on the basis of his performance on the field, noting that he was one of the top players in the league throughout his career. Robinson was among the 25 charter members of the UCLA Athletic Hall of Fame in 1984. In 2002, he was included on the list of 100 greatest African Americans. In 1997, a bronze sculpture depicting oversized nine-foot busts of Robinson and his brother Mac was erected at Garfield Avenue across from the main entrance of Pasadena City Hall. Major League Baseball has honored Robinson many times since his death. In 1987, both the National and American League Rookie of the Year awards were renamed to the Jackie Robinson Award in honor of the first recipient. On April 15th of 97, Robinson's jersey number 42 was retired throughout Major League Baseball, the first time any jersey number had been retired throughout one of the four major American sports leagues. Under the terms of the retirement, a grandfather clause allowed a handful of players who wore the number 42 to continue doing so to tribute Robinson, until such time as they subsequently changed teams or jersey numbers. This affected players such as the Mets' Butch Husky and Boston's Mo Vaughn. The Yankees' Mariano Rivera, who retired at the end of the 2013 season, was the last player in Major League Baseball to wear the number 42 on a regular basis. There have also been calls for MLB to retire number 21 league-wide in honor of Roberto Clemente, a sentiment which is opposed by the Robinson family. The Hispanics Across America advocacy group wants Clemente's number set aside the way the late Robinson's number 42 was in 1997, but Sharon Robinson maintained the position that such an honor should remain in place for Jackie Robinson only. As an exception to the retired number policy, MLB began honoring Robinson by allowing players to wear number 42 on April 15th, Jackie Robinson Day which is an annual observance that started in 2004. 
For the 60th anniversary of Robinson's Major League debut, MLB invited players to wear number 42 on Jackie Robinson Day in 2007. The gesture was originally the idea of outfielder Ken Griffey Jr., who sought Rachel Robinson's permission to wear the number. After receiving her permission, Commissioner Bug Selig not only allowed Griffey to wear the number, but also extended an invitation to all Major League teams to do the same. Ultimately, more than 200 players wore the number 42. And the next year, all uniform personnel, players, manager, coaches, and umpires wore number 42 on April 15th. At the November 2006 groundbreaking for City Field, the new ballpark for the New York Mets, it was announced that the main entrance, modeled on the one of Brooklyn's old Ebbets Field, would be called the Jackie Robinson Rotunda. It honors Jackie with large quotations spanning the inner curve of the facade and features a large freestanding statue of his number 42, which has become an attraction in itself. At Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, a statue of Robinson was introduced in 2017. President Ronald Reagan posthumously awarded Robinson the Presidential Medal of Freedom on March 26th of 84. And on March 2nd, 2005, President George W. Bush gave Robinson's widow the Congressional Gold Medal, the highest civilian award bestowed by Congress. Jackie was only the second baseball player to receive the award, after Roberto Clemente. On August 20, 2007, California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger and his wife announced that Robinson was inducted into the California Hall of Fame. The UCLA Bruins baseball team plays in Jackie Robinson Stadium, which because of the efforts of Jackie's brother, Mac, features a memorial sculpture of Jackie. A number of facilities at Pasadena City College, which is the successor to PJC, are named in Robinson's honor, including Robinson's Field, a football soccer track facility named jointly for Robinson and his brother, Mac. In 1976, his home in Brooklyn, the Jackie Robinson House, was declared a National Historic Landmark. On November 22, 2014, UCLA announced that it would officially retire the number 42 across all university sports, effective immediately. While Jackie wore several different numbers during his UCLA career, the school chose 42 because it had become identified with him. A jersey Robinson brought home with him in 1947 after his rookie season was sold at an auction for just over $2 million on November 19, 2017. The price was the highest ever paid for a post-World War II jersey. If you know anything about baseball history, you know about Jackie Robinson. He knew what he was getting himself into, becoming the first African American to play in the majors. But the ability to play at that high level while dealing with that type of adversity, he deserves the recognition and praise that he gets. I was a little nervous about doing a podcast about Jackie, and I'm also a little nervous about doing some of the big names such as Babe or Garrick or Aaron. I really want to do them justice to really show how great of players they were and how they changed the game. This podcast has been a blast though. I love learning all this cool stuff about all these old players, and I hope whoever's listening to this is enjoying it too. Thanks for listening to the Sports Salute podcast. Have a player you'd like to be the next subject? Let me know on Instagram and Twitter at Majeris underscore Luke. Keep an eye out for the next week's episode where we talk about the Iron Horse, Lou Gehrig.